Thank you so much, Dr. Taylor and choir and musicians for leading us in worship this morning. Last Sunday in my message on prayer, I shared a little story about a, a boy who prayed for a baby brother. If you remember the story, he prayed and ended up with twin baby boys. We got to lunch after service last week and Heidi looked up at her mom sheepishly and said, guess what I'm praying for? <laughs> Stephanie looked back pretty quickly and said, oh no you're not. <laughs> I have never in my life seen a parent so quick to tell their child that did not want them to pray about something. But uh, I, I think that message was sent. It is a joy to be in God's house together today. Last week we talked a little bit about the purposes of prayer. We talked about how prayer is an avenue of communication with God. We talked about how prayer is a wonderful act of dedication that every time we pray, we are submitting ourselves to the Lordship of Christ. And when we submit ourselves in the act of prayer, we're just simply saying, Lord, I need you. So it's an act of submission to Him and dedication of ourselves to Him. We also said it was an opportunity for supplication, that we have opportunity to come before the Lord and make the requests that are on our hearts, the burdens, the concerns, the desires, uh, the frustrations. We can share with the Lord those things that we need. And then ultimately said it's a, a glorious mystery of cooperation, that the God of the universe, who, who knows everything before it's going to happen, would come to us and would say, and give us the, the confidence even to come before him because he would say, come before me with boldness. And we are allowed to cooperate with him mysteriously, uniquely in kingdom activity, praying for the lost and, and moving through our lives. And God gives us that glorious opportunity to be a part of it. I want us to state again our statement of affirmation. We're talking about how it matters how you behave. And Christians, Christ followers, are people of prayer. So we put in your listening guide as well as on the screen a statement of affirmation for each of these matters of how it matters. Let's read it together. I pray to God to know Him, to lay my request before Him, and to find direction for my daily life. Let's read it one more time. We did this last week. I pray to God to know Him, to lay my request before Him, and to find direction for my daily life. The purpose of prayer is for us to know God with intimacy, to get to know Him in relationship, to understand who He is and what He's like, to lay burdens and requests before Him, and ultimately to find direction for our lives. I'm so thankful that God, uh, who is uh, so far above and beyond us, would be so intimately concerned with us that He would give us such an avenue, such a gift, that of prayer. But I would bet that there are people in this room that would say, well, I've prayed before, it didn't work. I had a desperate need and I cried out to God and He didn't come through the way that I had hoped. So what's the question then? Is prayer a farce? Is it just some superstition? Is it just some made-up crutch that we have determined that we would go to in hopes that things might work out? I, I'm not sure how you view prayer, but as we think about it, I venture guess that many of you have had some of those thoughts. You've, you've looked at your prayer life and perhaps some circumstance, some situation did not move in the direction that you had hoped and it left you wanting. Anybody here 
in that position? If you've ever been there, then we're on good ground this morning because I think many of us have been there. I've tried prayer and struggled. There have been so many times that prayers, I just sent up thousands of them that it seemed like they stopped at the ceiling. In fact, it's kind of been a running joke at a former church that I served. Our pastor went to the hospital. It was sort of a season where he, he would go to the hospital and he prayed for someone and they died. And he went to the hospital and prayed for somebody else and guess what happened? They died. And he did it again, and it was over the course of a couple of months, and it became a running joke that if, if you went to the hospital, you would call the church immediately and say, hey, just tell the pastor to pray for me somewhere else. He doesn't need to come visit me. People are quite concerned. But it's no laughing matter when we come on the other end of it. We have a loved one whose life is in the balance, and we're praying and longing for God to do something. So many prayers, it seems, unanswered. I think there's a deeper question than that for us this morning. I think the deeper question is, does God actually promise that he'll answer every single prayer? It's clearly no from Scripture. In fact, there's clear places in Scripture that tell us that sometimes God completely ignores the prayers of certain people. In fact, the Bible says that God has laid out conditions for answered prayer. And that's what I want us to look together at today, are some conditions of answered prayer. And so maybe if you're struggling with the effectiveness of your prayer life and you've struggled through where you are in your relationship with God, perhaps God's Word today will bring confidence to you in this area of prayer. John chapter 15 verse 7 is going to be our primary text for the day. Just one simple verse. John 15, 7, turn there with me if you will. And as we look there together at John chapter 15, I believe we will begin to see some of the conditional focuses that are part of praying to the Lord. John 15, 7 very simply says this, it's Jesus speaking, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Let me read that again. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. What a powerful and beautiful promise. So why don't some prayers get answered? I mean, here is one of many places in Scripture where Jesus says to pray, and, and others in Scripture have said through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, ask in the, the name of the Lord, and it will be granted to you, it will be given to you. But the reality is, God's desire is that we would listen to Him before He would listen to us. That many of His promises come with conditions. That shouldn't shock you if you read the Word just at a face value. Second uh, Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. There's an if clause and a then clause, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. There are conditions throughout Scripture. Many of the promises of God are based on premises from God. There's a premise for the promise, if you will. And the premise is, if you will do certain things, then I will respond in certain ways. And here in this passage of Scripture, very simply, he says, if you abide or remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask what you will and it will be done for you. So let's begin to look at this idea of these conditions. This powerful promise leads us to ask the question, 
Are there things in my life that are blocking my prayers? Maybe, just maybe, you'll begin to see them. If I were to do just a quick survey of Scripture, there's seven or eight things I think we can categorize that, that are blockers for answered prayer. Listen to these for a moment. Number one, we don't ask. We know that the Bible says we have not because we ask not. There are many prayers that we simply have not verbalized to the Lord. We've thought them, but we've never actually given them to God. Those prayers are unanswered. Sometimes we don't ask in faith, and we're going to spend some time this morning talking about what it means to pray in faith, pray believing. Sometimes we ask selfishly or with wrong motives. The Bible teaches us that. Sometimes we ask with sin in our hearts. We have, have kept unconfessed sin in our heart, and God has not answered prayer because of that unconfessed sin. Sometimes it's because of family discord. Do you realize that Peter wrote that husbands could treat their wives in such a way that it would hinder or hamper their prayers? Maybe even doubt. The other side of this same story though, and I don't want you to lose this, I, I just began to do, again, sort of a, a cursory survey. And as I looked at, at different promises from God's Word, listen with me for just a moment. These are powerful statements. Matthew 18, 19, and 20. Again, I assure you, if two of you agree on earth about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered there together in my name, I am there among them. John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. John 14, 14. Just the next verse. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go out and produce fruit and that you should, your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father, He, in my name, He will give you. John 16, 23, in that day you will not ask me for anything. I assure you anything that you ask of my Father, in my name, He will give you. Two more, John, 1 John 5, 14. Now this is the confidence that we have before Him. Whenever we ask anything according to His will, He answers us. So you begin to hear some of the conditions in those, but those are powerful statements. But sometimes those kinds of statements seem to contradict our very existence. I've asked, I've pled, I've cried out, and yet God did not answer. So let's look together today at four conditions for answered prayer. Number one comes directly from our text, the very first few words, if you remain in me. Here's the word I want you to write down and get in your mind and your heart, the word relationship. The word relationship. Your prayers will be answered on the condition that you're in relationship with God. Does that mean that God does not answer the prayers of lost people? I've heard it said much of my life that the very first prayer that God hears from us, from His children, from people on earth, is a prayer of faith, asking in repentance for Christ to be the Lord of their lives. Obviously, we know that God knows all things. He hears all prayers. But in terms of His choice to answer them, you must be in relationship with Him. He simply said, if you remain in me. If you abide in me, if you stay in me. And so in those four words is a condition for answers to prayer. Because he goes on to say that you would ask and I would grant, I would give. 
So how do we remain in the Lord? What is this relationship about? How do I abide in Christ? Those are questions that we need to ask. And I would say first and foremost from our text we see the answer. God answers that very question for us. How do I remain in Christ? It says, if my words remain in you. And so the reality is for you and for me, we need to spend time in His Word. The, the, that phrase, my words remain in you, begins to tell us that that's one of the avenues for answered prayer, is that we would spend time in His Word. Think about that with me. God reveals His will and His way and His works, how? Through His Word. So our prayer life, you, you might ask, you mean if I don't study the Bible, God's not going to answer my prayers, Pastor Scott? Here's what I would say to that. Your prayer life will never be more effective than how much you understand Scripture. Let me say that again. Your prayer life will never be more effective than your understanding of Scripture. You see, the more you pour yourself into the Word and understand the will of God, you understand more clearly how it is that you're to pray. And so this relationship is critical. So the first question for you today, if you've struggled with answers to prayer and they've not gotten past the ceiling, I would ask the question, do you know God? Do you have a relationship with Him, a personal, intimate relationship with Him? You will experience that through His Word. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And God's Word tells us what we need to do to be saved. God's Word tells us what we have to experience. We have to experience the forgiveness of Christ through His death and His burial and His resurrection. His life offered to you freely. Now, as we think about that relational dynamic, it goes beyond just whether you're lost or not. It moves to the fact of, are you in a right relationship? And that takes us to our second word today, righteousness. Righteousness. You see, unconfessed sin will hinder your prayers. So you have to be in a relationship with God, but you need to be in a right relationship with God. And I say that because many of you would say, well, God's not answering my prayers, maybe I'm lost. No, perhaps it is that you have known the Lord, but you've come into a season of unconfessed sin. You've moved into a place in your life where you've let go of, of the discipline of that confession. You've moved away from talking to God about the sin in your life and in your heart. And it's so vitally important that we stay confessed up, we stay prayed up. We keep short accounts with God. In this relational dynamic, we need to understand that God's desire for us is through this communication avenue to develop dependency, to develop a wonderful interactive relationship. Now let me give you a couple verses. You may want to jot them down. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that He cannot save, nor His ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he, what? What does it say? Will not hear. Again, it doesn't mean that God cannot hear your prayers. God simply chooses to turn a deaf ear. I'm amazed at how people say, you know, God forgives and forgets. And, and, and they, they put human traits to God. As if somehow now they remember sin that God has forgotten somehow. Oh, I can't remember that sin. No, the language of the Hebrew people is rich. When it says that God chooses to forgive, it means that He chooses not to hold it against you. And when the Bible says that God does not hear, it's simply His sovereign choice to say, I'm not listening. 
in His holiness, God turns from that. And for you and for me, sin in our lives that is unconfessed hampers that relationship. It hinders that relationship. It causes a separation, not of our ultimate union with Christ, but our communion, our fellowship with Him. I guess the best way I can explain it is this, so that you don't think somehow if I leave unconfessed sin in my life, I'm no longer saved. No, you will not and cannot lose your salvation. Amen? As Baptists, we believe firmly that you are saved forever when you are saved. Once saved, always saved. We don't believe that it's a ticket out of hell card. We don't believe that it's a a fire insurance policy. We believe if you are truly saved, you are saved forever. Because you're saved by the character of God and the promises of God and the word of God. All of that ties together to give you great assurance. He promises eternal life. But I would say it this way. Noah would be a great example for us. Noah was kept inside the ark of God's salvation because God closed the door. And he may have fallen down inside the ark, but he never fell out. Amen? That's a good word for you today. Maybe some of you will get that image later. God holds you. He closed the door on your salvation. He says, I hold you in my righteous right hand. And in his hand, you are kept. Now, when you have unconfessed sin in your life, it separates you from the full communion of and relationship with the Father. Obedience is critical. And it can be a blocker to your sins. Let me give you an example. If I asked one of my daughters to, to very simply do some specific activity. Maybe, maybe my oldest daughter Hannah came to me and said, Dad, I, I'd like, uh, I need some money and I'd like the keys to the car. And I said very simply, here are two tasks that I want you to do. I want you to clean your room and I want you to wash a load of clothes. She comes back to me and she says, hey, Dad, I need the keys to the car and that money that we talked about. And I said, well, great. What about those conditions that we talked about? And she said, oh, that thing that you told me to do, I I memorized it. You told me to clean my room and you told me to wash a load of clothes. Aren't you proud, Dad? I memorized it. Well, that's great, but I didn't ask you to memorize it. I asked you to do it. Isn't that how we treat the Word of God sometimes? God gives you a word through Sunday school, and it is a very specific word. Maybe go and be my witness. Make disciples. And the Lord said, are you making disciples? And you say, hey, Lord, you remember that verse I learned in Sunday school? I memorized it. So let's just say we rock on another day, and Hannah comes back to me and says, hey, Dad, remember that money and the car keys that we talked about? And I said, yeah, you remember those conditions we talked about? She said, Dad, guess what? Those conditions that you gave me, you told me, I, I, memorized, I know you memorized them, Hannah. She said, I shared them with my friends. We, we got together. We had a small group Bible study about that which you told me to do. You told me to clean my room and to wash a load of clothes. And you know what else we did in our small group Bible study? We studied that in Greek, Dad. Do you know what it means in Greek to wash a load of clothes? It means to cleanse. It means to pure. I I know I'm being facetious, but the reality is oftentimes we don't do what God says. We just hear it. And the Bible says don't be a hearer of the word, be a doer. So perhaps, just perhaps... Hardy Street Baptist Church, there are people in here that are not praying from a position of righteousness because there's unconfessed sin in our lives. Maybe it's just simple disobedience. 
Maybe we've just not done that which God told us to do. Yes, you're in a relationship with Him, but you're not in a right relationship with Him. Unconfessed sin will hamper or hinder your prayers. Psalm 66, 18. Let me read this one for you. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not, what? Hear. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. He chooses, I'm not going to listen to that. If you're going to keep those things in your life, in your heart, that would separate us, the very things that I died to free you from, why in the world would I want to give my daughter, who is in a state of rebellion, the keys to the car? That was she asked. Now, we don't perform for God and do so that He will answer. We do out of love for Him. And that relationship of intimacy grows. Now, let me give you three very simple and powerful questions I think would be helpful for you. This deals with past, present, and future about a right relationship with God. Number one, do I or have I refused to admit things I've done wrong in the past? That's a great question for all of us today. I would encourage you to begin to reflect on that. Just stop and ask. Make an account in your mind, in your life. Are there things from my past that I have never confessed? I've never openly agreed with God and said this was wrong. Maybe, just maybe, you need to go back through that and confess it. It's so easy for us to come to the end of the day and say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. But when we come to the place where we're brokenhearted over our sin and say, God, I want nothing to come in between me and you. I want nothing to hinder my prayers. I want to have open communion with you, wonderful relationship with you, unfettered access to you, nothing standing in the way. God, bring to mind. As the psalmist said, search me, O God. Know me. Bring those things to mind so that I might confess them and forsake them. The Bible's clear. If we cover sins, we will not prosper. If we confess and forsake sin, we find mercy. Second question. That was about the past, but in our present reality, am I currently in the present ignoring any principles of God's Word. Are there things in your life that you know to do but you're not doing them? To him who knows to do well and does not do it, to him it is sin. And for you and for me, if we're serious about this, we start looking back and say, God, I want nothing in my past. My sins are covered in the blood of Jesus, yes, but I want to confess them to you and forsake them. Is there anything in my present that I'm currently ignoring the Lord over? Maybe something He's called you to do. This would be a real good place for me to pull over to the side of the road for a moment. We've been talking on Wednesdays a good bit about evangelism. And I shared a simple tool with our church family. It's a website, whativaluemost.com. My goal is very simple. I want 100% of our membership to write out their personal testimony and upload it to that website. There's not a lot of wiggle room there. There's no reason for you not to. Somebody said, Pastor, we ought to shoot for 50%. I said, so 50% of the people in our church that have been redeemed by Jesus have some excuse not to share it? Hello? No, I want 100% of you. If you know Jesus, you come and schedule an appointment with me. I'll help you with your story. Our staff will help you with your story. But it's a simple way for you to share the gospel. I've already had a couple of folks that said, hey, Pastor, if I pass out potato chips today, 
can I staple a little what I value most card because they've already put their story up just to get somebody to read my story? I said, yes, yes. I don't have to pray about that. Yes, absolutely you can do that. Very simply, are there principles of God's Word that you know are right that you're ignoring? If that's the case, then you need to confess those. And you'll be amazed at that level of intimacy with the Lord that brings freedom and power toward answered prayers. Does that make sense? Anybody? Anybody? Amen. Number three, question number three. Do I really want God's will for my life in the future? This is a question you need to ask. Looking back, is there unconfessed sin? Or looking into the present, are there areas of, of disobedience now? But looking forward, do I really want God's will? Are you praying for things that would bring you comfort and ease and safety and happiness with no thought of God's will? And so as we think about those things, that maybe begin to, to lead our prayer in a different way. 1 John 5, 14 says, This is the assurance we have approaching God. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, then whenever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of Him. What a powerful thing. I, think about this for a moment with me. Most Christians make a huge mistake in prayer. They go around saying, God, is it your will for this? Is it God, is it your will for this? The real issue is not when we pray, God, is this your will? The real question, I think the real issue is, am I a person in God's will? Am I living my life in God's will? Most of the time when I find myself living in God's will, when things come about, I don't have to pray about this one or this one. Sometimes we worry, should I buy this car or this car? Should I make that investment or that investment? You live your life in relationship with God and those things begin to flesh themselves out. St. Augustine said this, he said, love God and do what you want. We're not comfortable with some of that. Wait a minute. But, but what he was saying is ultimately, if you love God, you'll do what he wants. And so if I'll focus not, oh God, what's, my, what's your will for, should I buy Crest or Colgate toothpaste? God, what should I do? Just walk with the Lord. Serve the Lord in gladness. And ultimately, we'll come to our third point that I want you to see. And it's this. Not only is it about relationship and righteousness, but it's also about reflection. What do I mean by reflect? You need to reflect the heart and character of God and His kingdom. When I reflect God, it's going to come out in two simple ways. I know there's a lot of teaching to this, but I want us to get this. Church family, are you with me? Amen. Your reflection of the kingdom of God comes out in giving and forgiving. You never look more like Jesus than when you're giving or when you're forgiving. When you're giving financially, you look like Jesus because it's sacrificial. When you're giving of your time, when you're giving sacrificially of your life to someone else, it makes a, an impact because you look like Christ. I, I'm not just making these up. This comes directly out of Scripture. Think about this with me for a moment. Let me give you two verses. Proverbs 21:13 says, Unwillingness, unessence to give will hinder your sin. Here's what it says. Whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. Hear that. Whoever shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will cry himself and not be heard. In fact, Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 goes on this way and says, Stinginess is a sin and can lead you down the road to poverty. 
When you give, it makes uh, such an impression upon your, your life that you are reflecting the heart of God that it opens up your prayer life. And the second one I want you to see, and this one really is important. We studied the model prayer last week. We began to look at it. We'll continue in weeks to come. But one of the phrases that we pray in the Lord's Prayer is this. Forgive us our debts or trespasses as we forgive. There's one little word in the middle, as. It's a simile. It likens one thing to another. That little word, on that little word, hinges some pretty powerful thoughts. Why don't you just replace some of those meanings with that word and pray this way. Lord, you forgive me when I forgive others. Lord, you forgive me to the same degree that I forgive others. Lord, you forgive me at the same time as you see Jesus was making a powerful principle come alive for us and for his hearers he was saying that your unforgiveness with others impacts your relationship with your heavenly father we know that to be true from the gospels and other areas where it says if your brother has ought against you leave your gift at the altar go and reconcile and then come back to worship you see some of us are coming to worship and we've got bitter disputes or anger or prejudices or, or various things in our heart that's keeping us from having a full experience of relationship and communion with God. Your giving and your forgiving ought to be a reflection of the heart of Jesus. And a poor reflection of the giving and forgiving of Jesus can hinder your prayers. Does that make sense? Yes or no? Amen. Thank you, choir. Fourth and final thought. Not only do we need to be in relationship, a right relationship, in a reflection of his heart. Number four, we need to pray in reliance. Obviously, the words there is faith, but that doesn't start with the letter R. So this fits. You pray in reliance. Pray in faith. Now, some of you get real confused and burdened here, and I'll, I'll wrap this all up as we bring it to a close. But you say, I have prayed in faith. And what that meant was, you came to the place where you prayed, God didn't answer. You said, I need more faith. I want you to hear this. It's not about the amount of faith. It's about the arena of faith. It's that you're praying in faith to God. It's not the amount of your faith. See, sometimes we pray and we feel like we need to convince God if we have earnestly Mustered enough faith that we can convince God to do what we want Him to do. Two very powerful statements that I want to give you. A man named Ron Dunn shared these with me a long, long time ago on a napkin in a restaurant. And it ministered to me. Put those on the screen if you would howl. Very simply this. Here's what it means to pray in faith. We pray with assurance when God has revealed the outcome. We pray with assurance when God has revealed the outcome. We pray with submission when God has concealed the outcome. We like the first one. God, you said you'd give me whatever I ask in your name, so I'm asking in your name in faith. I've confessed sin. I'm in right relationship with you. I'm giving and forgiving. God, you said you were going to do this. Is it according to his will? 
Because that phrase, that thought, narrows our prayers down to an understanding that He's God and we're not. Sometimes when we're in the ICU waiting room and we're praying for a healing, we're putting ourselves in the place of God. If I can muster enough faith, then this person's going to get healed. No, your prayer is not what heals the person. God is. In the book of James, it says, If any among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church that will anoint him with oil and pray over them, and God will heal them. The prayer of faith, it says, will be prayed. I've seen this happen. We had a lady in our church. They called upon us to come and pray over her. By the way, it's incumbent upon, the, the, not the leadership, the person, the sick. It says, if any among you are sick. And she called and we went and prayed and anointed her head with oil. And, and I can't say that I'd ever heard this person, this lady pray publicly in all the years that I'd been at that church. But after I prayed and others in the room prayed, she began to pray. And she prayed a powerful prayer of faith. God healed her. It wasn't in my praying. I, I'm not going to put up billboards and say we're going to have healing services at Hardy Street. You come and Pastor Scott or, or, or other staff will touch you and you'll be healed. That's not how the Bible says it works. But she prayed a prayer of faith. I, I can't remember a time that she prayed publicly after that. But the Bible really was giving us a picture that she had a clear peace about God healing her. And as she prayed in faith, believing what God had revealed to her, then God answered that prayer. You see, there are times that God does not reveal the ultimate answer. And if God doesn't reveal the ultimate answer, here's how you pray in faith. You just surrender yourself. God, I'm not sure how this is going to come out, but I trust you. That's praying in faith. Now, when God does give you a confident answer, a direction, a word, Maybe something in His Word. You pray with absolute assurance. That's praying in faith. Why? How does faith come? By hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. So let's string all this together. If you want your prayers to be answered, unconfessed sin will hinder your prayers. Selfishness will hinder your prayer life. Unprayed prayers will not be answered. But on the flip side, when you're in relationship with the Heavenly Father and you're in right relationship with the Heavenly Father and your life reflects the giving and the forgiving nature of Jesus Christ and you pray with reliance on Him, prayer becomes this just magnificent mystery of cooperation. Prayer doesn't change God, it changes us. But it aligns my life in such a way that I have greater and greater intimacy and greater and greater confidence in my Father. So Jesus said to his disciples, if you abide in me, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you will and it will be done. So the question today is, are you in a relationship with Jesus Christ? If you find yourself struggling with an anemic sense of prayer that just haphazardly may or may not have actually been a result of your prayer. Maybe just maybe today you need to be saved. Maybe just maybe there are people in this room that need to trust Jesus by faith. His word said very clearly, if you will call out to him, he will save you. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not my words. That's the words of Jesus. And that will for us bring faith. Call the Lord. 
today. Call upon Him. He'll save you. Maybe you're in a relationship that's not where it should be. Maybe in your past there's sins you've not confessed. Maybe currently you are ignoring some principle of God. Maybe ultimately you're struggling with whether you actually want God's will or not. I just want to tell you today, praying a prayer of faith in a right relationship with Jesus, reflecting His glory, will utterly free your life to an experience of intimacy with the Father that you cannot comprehend otherwise. Let's pray. Father, it truly matters how we behave. Oh God, that our church would be a house of prayer filled with people who desire to hear from you, who desire to align their lives with you. Lord, may we become a people of prayer. Father, may we pray to you to know you, to lay our requests before you, and to get direction for our daily lives. Have your way during this time of decision in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand as we sing. Members of the staff will be here. We would love to share with you from God's Word what it means to be saved. Maybe today you need to unite with this church. Maybe that's the principle you've ignored. God has said you need to link your life with this church. You need to commit to a church family. Maybe today's the day that you would say, I want to be part of that family of faith. You let God have His way during this time of decision.